Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Vlog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 449. You know, something we haven't talked about in a long time is what to do if you're a brand new cruiser, first-time cruiser to Royal Caribbean. And so today, I wanted to go over some core basics. It's Cruise 101. If you're brand new to Royal Caribbean, here we go. Every day I check out the Royal Caribbean Blog message boards over at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. And yeah, that is kind of a shameless plug to go check out the message boards if you haven't already. It's a really fun community we have over there. And there was a message from somebody who was new to our message boards. His username is Scott Gunnerman. And Scott was asking some questions about first-time cruises. Actually, first-ever cruise on Oasis of the Seas. And Scott asked me after we were going back and forth a little bit. And Scott said, hey, are there any podcast episodes that are really focused on first-timers? And I thought to myself, well, certainly, I must have done that. No problem at all. I started going back through the archives, and I discovered two things. One, I don't think I actually done an entire episode dedicated to that. And if I have, it was back in the old, old days of the podcast. I mean, we started this podcast a number of years ago, and a lot of the information is still relevant, I think, even if, you know today, if you listen to some stuff from two, three, four, five years ago. But you know what? I, I feel like when we're talking about Cruise 101, like someone who's brand new to Royal Caribbean, brand new to cruising there's going to be some information that's going to be relevant for them. So I wanted to focus today on things that stand out to me as the most important. Like if we had five minutes together, and this episode is going to be more than five minutes, but if we had a few minutes to talk about the most important things, this is what I would do. And of course, I cannot encapsulate every single piece of advice I'd give to a first-time cruiser. That's what RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com is all about, and I highly recommend you check that out and start diving through some of those articles. But I really wanted to give anybody who's looking to do their first cruise, especially here in 2022, because this advice is going to be a blend of what is tried and true advice, as well as advice that I think more pertains to where we are currently in 2022. But even if you're listening to this episode, you know, a couple of years from now, my hope is that this episode is evergreen enough that it's going to be relevant for anybody. So if you're new to cruising, if you're new to Royal Caribbean, or maybe you just want to brush up on, on some of the basics this is a good episode for you to try out. So we're going to start with number one, uh, and there's a lot of things. I'm going to jump around a lot on this, but I think this is just the kind of advice I give to friends and family when they're talking about booking a cruise for the first time. That is number one. If you haven't already, book with a travel agent. A good travel agent can really benefit you. Anybody can book a cruise. That's not the problem. The issue is what happens between after you book and everything that leads up to actually onboard your ship. There's a lot of issues that can occur, whether we're talking about repricing, whether we're talking about cancellation on your on your end or someone else, upgrades, changing your mind. There's a variety of things that can happen. And a good travel agent will help you navigate the entire process and make it super easy on you. Because you're new, because you're, you know, kind of this is a new process for you, you don't know what you don't know. And while I advocate that, yeah, you could probably read everything on realcomblog.com and have the tools information you need. Using a good travel agent is still the way to go. I use a travel agent. I recommend everybody use a travel agent, whether you've cruised a thousand times before or this is your first time, it really makes a big deal. And right now, hold times, I've been pretty long. And you know what? The hold times never really get that short. So when I talk about hold times, I'm talking about calling Royal Caribbean to ask a question where instead you could use a travel agent. And by the way, a good travel agent should cost you nothing extra to use for their services. So if you're looking at an agent that's out there, Make sure that's the case. There are plenty of agencies out there that do not charge for their services. So that's the first place to start with. Number two, uh, it's definitely going to be invest in a passport. You know, I think all too often we see from people who are brand new to cruising, hey, can I cruise without a passport? I have a birth certificate. I have my state ID. I've read that I can do that. 
And yes, you can do that, but I'm here to tell you it is worth your money and a little bit of time to get a passport. A passport is an investment in your travel future, and it just helps you out, not just with cruising, but what if you want to go somewhere else, you know, in the next couple of years? It's an important thing. But beyond that, having a passport makes the unlikely very easy to handle. If you were to get stuck somewhere during your cruise, if you got hurt, if you missed the ship, if who knows what happens. There was recently a story where in which a Norwegian cruise line ship ran aground and they had to cancel some cruises and they ended the cruise early in a foreign country. People with a passport were far better off in getting home. It's a, that's an unlikely scenario. I freely admit that. But it's an important reminder of why passports are so important. So get yourself a passport. Next up, you know, packing for a cruise is I could spend hours talking about that here. In fact, we've done podcast episodes talking about how to pack for a cruise. My advice, and this is something that as someone who is a perpetual and habitual overpacker, I will tell you that the 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 piece of advice that I always remind myself of is don't fear the laundry man. I don't say don't fear the reaper, but don't fear the laundry person on board your ship. At the end of the day, doing laundry is better than overpacking in some instances. Now, I think in general, it's not a terrible idea if you overpack, but pack lighter than you think. I know it's very tempting to think about every possible scenario. Say, oh, I'm going to need you know shoes for this. I'm going to need pants for this. And you can end up very quickly with three outfits per day. You may actually wear three outfits per day. I have friends who actually wear three outfits per day. I think that's excessive, but you know, to each their own kind of thing. The, the bottom line, though, is don't feel like you have to overpack. And when in doubt, pack for you know half or three quarters of the cruise and then plan on doing laundry on board. Yeah, laundry costs money on Royal Caribbean. There is no self-service laundry. But to me, it's worth the expense because... It just means if, if you're flying, first and foremost, I mean, that, mean, that might be the difference in a bag that doesn't have, you know, paying extra for baggage or overage on your weight of baggage, right? All that stuff. But beyond that, it just allows you to simplify things. And simplifying is really what we're talking about here with a lot of these tips. So don't overpack as much as you can. But you know, if you do, it's not the end of the world. But don't feel like you have to pe- bring three bags a person or have multiple outfits per day. Laundry is your friend. The next thing we talk about, this is about coming down to research now. So you've got your cruise booked, right? You have your airfare booked. Now start researching where you're going. I'm going to start off with the ports you're going to visit. The internet is a wealth of information for figuring out the best activities to do in every port you're going to visit, right? The key is to research in advance what to do and have plans in there. A common mistake is walking off the ship, looking around and saying to your spouse or family member or friend, hey, what should we do? Yeah, you could do that, and there's a little bit of excitement with kind of spur of the moment. Let's see where we go, what adventure we can find. But inevitably, it's a little more cumbersome than it may appear, and you're more likely to miss out on something you actually wanted to do than discover something amazing and untouched, right? It's certainly a possibility, but my advice is research the ports you want to go to. Book a shore excursion in advance, whether through Royal Caribbean or on your own. Again, a discussion for another day, a wider discussion, but... I think picking the perfect shore excursion in advance will set you up for success far more than trying to wing it. There are especially some ports in which this is critical because walking out of the port area and doing it on your own can be quite intimidating, quite frankly. We're talking about places like Falmouth, Nassau, and even Roatan. These are just a couple of ports in which I think it's really important. But beyond that, even if you're going to my my favorite places like Cozumel, it's really important to have a plan ahead of time. So research what the ports have to offer, book a tour in advance, 
I think you'll be off to a good start. And then, of course, research the ship that you're on. One of the best ways to research the ship that you're sailing on, number one, well, you know, if there's a video tour on YouTube, that's great. But read a past cruise compass. Past cruise compasses. The cruise compass, by the way, is a newspaper that's distributed on your cruise every day. It gives you a list of activities and times and offerings on board. And what you want to do is read a past cruise compass for the sailing that you're on. So the ship you're on and ideally the itinerary. So if you're sailing a seven-night Western Caribbean on Oasis of the Seas, that's great. Try to find a seven-night Western Caribbean cruise compass from Oasis of the Seas that was fairly recent. You know, certainly within the last you know year or two is totally fine. And look in there and get an idea of what activities will be offered or not offered on board because, you know, it can certainly vary. Now, of course, it's not going to be a hundred percent of exactly what you should expect on there, but it's going to give you a ballpark idea of expectations in terms of what activities are offered on board because, you know, reading, you know, articles and, and watching TV commercials, it doesn't give you the full breadth of activities offered there. So by reading an old cruise compass, you can prepare yourself for activities and events that you might want to participate in, like themed dance parties, sporting events, and anything in between. So I think it's really important to read a past cruise compass because it really benefits you. Uh, something else that's really important is coming to your port at least a day early. If you're flying or even driving a long distance, plan to arrive at least a day early. When traveling, there are certain factors you're just going to have no control over, like weather, canceled flights, and even flat tires, right? And if you ask people that cruise a lot, they're going to tell you the way to get around these problems or don't let these problems impact your cruise is to come in at least a day ahead of time. So instead of arriving to your departure city on the day of your cruise, arrive at least one day before your cruise is scheduled to depart. By planning to arrive at least a day early, if not maybe two or three days earlier than that, you assure yourself that if there is a travel delay, it will not impact your ability to get to your cruise. Having an extra day or two provides buffer to account for travel delays, and you really don't want to be that person at the airport losing their mind because you're quickly realizing if this flight doesn't take off very, very soon, we're not going to make the cruise. Don't be that person. I think that's critical. Something else to consider is, of course, the onboard purchases. You know, drink and dining packages can be very confusing and daunting for people who are brand new to cruise. They're not sure if they need to get one, if everyone needs to get one, what's included, what's not included, and it can be tough. I understand that. So Royal Caribbean offers drink and dining packages. Now, drink and dining packages are optional. You do not need to have them for adults or children if you don't really want them. What I mean by that, of course, well, how do I know if I want them, Matt? Well, that's a great question. You know, first of all, you can go on your cruise and not spend any money on drinks or extra food, right? Royal Caribbean provides some core food and drink there. In terms of food, all your meals and snacks are included at places like the dining room, the Windjammer Buffet, and some places around the ship that offer snacks in between. In terms of drinks, you'll have complimentary waters, teas, coffees, milk, juices in the morning, and, and you know a couple other things here and there, some flavored waters, right? So you're not going to go thirsty. You're not going to go hungry on board. But inevitably, you might want something else. Maybe you're going to in the mood for a pina colada or you're in the mood for a hibachi-style dining experience or a great steak at a steakhouse, right? Well, that's where these optional extras are there. Now, you could still get all those things, the pina colada, the steak, just paying for it a la carte, saying, I'd like to have one pina colada, please. I'd like to go to Chop's Grill for one night. You can do that. You do not need a package for it. However, if you start saying, well, that pina colada was really good. I'd like to have another. And you're having, you know, three or four pina coladas. And you're having a latte in the morning, which costs extra. And you want to go to Chop's. And also, that new Italian restaurant and the sushi restaurant, this is where a drink and dining package comes into play. 
Number one, if you're interested in any of these, you want to book it before your cruise. So what I mean by this is go to Royal Caribbean's Cruise Planner website, log into to Royal Caribbean's website, go to the Cruise Planner for your sailing, and you will see options to purchase the unlimited beverage packages or especially dining package. Keep in mind, by the way, that these don't usually show up until about, it's hard to say, somewhere between six and nine months before your cruise, but it really runs the gamut. Anyway, if you're, like, if you're a cruise booked for like two years from now, that's great, but you're not seeing anything in there for at least, you know, much closer to your sailing. But once they are there, it will absolutely positively save you money if you purchase them on line rather than on board. So do not wait to get on board the ship to book them. In fact, some of these can sell out like the dining packages. So if you think you know you want them, book them in advance. By the way, by booking anything in the Cruise Planner website, whether it's a drink package, dining package, spa, massage, you know, shore excursion, they're all fully refundable and you can cancel and rebook if there's a lower price. So don't feel like, oh gosh, you know, I'm booking this nine months in advance. What if there's a better price tomorrow? Don't worry. You can always cancel and rebook online, but that's a key thing. So Kind of have a conversation with yourself or your family and, and yourself and think to you, do you really want to get a beverage package or a dining package? Well, then make sure you book it before the cruise. Again, to get the lowest possible price and, and equally importantly, save you time. When you're on board the ship, the last thing you want to do is just wait in line to go buy the same thing you could have done online. So I think that's really important. Another really important tip is don't miss the shows on board. Royal Caribbean places a lot of emphasis on its live entertainment. No matter which ship you're on, there's going to be live performances, whether it's musical performance, like, you know, stage performances or something else in between. There's going to be live entertainment on board your ship. Do not miss the shows. Each evening, you're going to find different performances on there. So make sure you, you know, look at your schedule. And this is where a past cruise compass really comes into play. You can get an idea of what to expect. But with newer cruise ships, you've got theatrical diving and ice skating performances offered throughout the sailing. And they're not to be missed. I know it can be tempting when you're looking at the thing. Matt, do I really want to go to an ice skating show? I've never gone to an ice skating show. I've never even thought about going to an ice skating show. And if I ever someone invited me to an ice skating show at home, I would say, heck no, I'm not going to that. I'd be with you on that. But on a cruise ship, number one, it's included with your cruise fare, no additional cost. But number two, it's actually really good. So I think missing these shows would be a mistake because they really do offer some phenomenal and different displays not easily matched on land. So I would definitely recommend them. I think it's really, really important. Now, those are some core, this is my list of ideas that I had kind of, you know, for, for cruise tips for first-timers. And then, of course, you got some things that are really more pertinent, I think, here in 2022. Hopefully, if you're listening to this episode in like two, three years from now, this will be a little bit different. But, you know, I'm going to give you, this is basically the COVID-19 section of the episode. We're talking about some things I think it's really important to understand about cruising in this day and age today. Number one, don't assume any plans are written in stone. Uh, if there's one constant we've had with cruises as they've restarted in 2021, it's that things can change. They can change at any time. There is no I'm safe from changes point in time. There is there is no point of return at that point. They can change at any point. So no matter which ship you're sailing, itinerary you're going on, plans you have, just understand that there very well could be change in there and that you have to change with that. So it requires a certain level of flexibility, and that really leads to a bigger picture, which is to be flexible on your cruise. You're on vacation, number one. So you know what? If the tour that you had booked, that you you listened to me and you booked it well in advance, and it looks like the perfect tour, that tour gets canceled for whatever reason. Who knows why? It, don't let it be the end of the world. You're on vacation. You'll make the best of it. Even if, if you end up not on the tour and in the hot tub on your cruise ship instead during that port stop, hey, that's not a bad way to spend your day. So flexibility is key. Don't let little things get to you, right? Uh, number two, keep an eye on your final payment date. You know, it's it's always an important thing. Again, a good travel agent, you don't have to worry about this at all, but 
the final payment date is when you will have to make final payment. If you don't make final payment on your final payment date, you're going to lose your deposit and you're going to lose your reservation more importantly. So don't do that. I think that's, that's really critical uh, when it comes to, you know, your, 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 your cruise reservation. Also all along those lines, by the way, when you're going to book your cruise, should have mentioned this earlier when we talked about booking, you know, always book refundable cruise fare. I had a, a, a text message from a friend who was going, they had, they had cruised with Royal Caribbean before, but they had booked a cruise. They went online and booked it on the website. So not through a travel agent. And they came to me and said, Matt, you know, we booked a cruise. And then like less than 24 hours later, I wanted to cancel. And I was surprised that there was a change fee with it from Royal Caribbean. And I said, yeah, because it's non-refundable. You should have booked a refundable cruise fare, which of course that didn't make them feel any better about it. But the truth is book refundable cruise fare. I know you can save a little bit of money, maybe even a lot of money by booking non-refundable. But I got to tell you, man, I can't, there's so many people who get frustrated with that change fee because when you book it, yeah, of course you feel like, oh, I'm definitely doing this. This That's why you're booking it. But there's a lot of reasons you might want to change your mind later on. So cruise fare is is certainly important. Uh, Next up, travel insurance. Whether or not you get travel insurance or not, it's up to you. You know, for a number of years, I didn't have travel insurance and now I get it every single time. I think in this day and age of not, I mean, first and foremost, you're more likely to, (laughs) I don't want to, I don't want to scare anybody by saying this. Like it's less likely you're going to get COVID on the cruise ship and need travel insurance for that as it is perhaps, you know, you break your leg or you get hurt some other way, right? Anyway. I'm not here to scare anybody, but I'm here to tell you that travel insurance is just a really good investment. It can be a good option to kind of just, you know, just in case helps you sleep better at night type of thing. And I think that travel insurance is a good thing to at least consider, if not get. Again, not everyone has different, everyone has different risk factors. Not everyone is the same person. Not everyone looks at things the same way. And some one person's like, yeah, if that happened to me, it wouldn't be a big deal. Another person might be like, oh my goodness, you know, end of days. So, you know, I, I do believe that travel insurance is at least worth considering. I get it all the time. And if you're thinking about getting or say, Matt, should I get it or not? I would say just get it. I mean, you know, depending on the coverage and your age and your risk factors, a variety of other things, you're probably spending about anywhere between 100 and $170 a person. I think it's worthwhile. It's a small part of your vacation cost. But, you know, peace of mind is worth something, right? And something else that you're also going to want to invest in is the Royal Caribbean app. Now, obviously, the app is free. But the app is a must-do, must-download item. It went from like, ah, it's nice to have to critical for cruises now. So download the Royal Caribbean app. Make sure you're logged into your account. And then about a week before your cruise, start looking in there. Number one, even well before a week, forget that. I should back this up for a second. Do your online check-in. It's so important to check in, online check-in when it's open. If you listen to some old podcast episodes I did years ago before covid you know, I talked about how, eh, your check-in time doesn't matter. Don't worry about it. Just do it. But it doesn't matter. Yeah, now it matters. Get a good early check-in time. You know, you can get it via the Royal Caribbean app. Uh, look for when it'll be open. Usually, it's right around final payment date or 45 days out. But get a check-in time. Do your online check-in and have the app ready to go because that's really important to have overall. Um, and I think the last piece, and again, I can't cover everything, but the last piece of information is going to tie back into something I talked about in the very first, I think it was the very first tip, which is use a travel agent. Don't be, and the last, this is my, I already talked about that one, but my last piece of advice is don't be afraid to ask your travel agent for help. In addition to your travel agent helping you be able to book a cruise or, you know, there's a problem, they're there to assist with other questions as well. You know, nobody really has all the answers, but Travel agents are usually looped in by Royal Caribbean with what's happening right now and have a good view of, you know, changing landscape of cruises and everything else that's happening out there. And they have other clients. So there's a good chance the problem or question you have, they've already dealt with somebody else. So if you end up, you know, 
changing your mind or you're just not sure what to do, whether it's about travel insurance or where to stay in Miami, a travel agent is there to help. The worst they're ever going to tell you is, I'm really sorry, I don't know the answer to your question. But more often than not, they're going to at least point you in the right direction. So don't be afraid to ask questions. And uh, now I'll turn this back into a shameless plug one more time. And that is, of course, that if you still have questions, you're not exactly sure, you know, don't be afraid also to ask online. Our message boards at realcoreanblog.com are a super helpful place to get questions answered. And don't feel bad about it. You know, all too often I see people who join the message board and say, I'm sorry to ask this question. I mean, that's what we're here for. That's what, it's, that's what I built it for. It wasn't to answer one question and then not be bothered by it, right? We're here to answer. So if you have a question, feel free to go on there and get answers to them. Don't suck it up. You know, certainly do your research. Try to Google around. But if you feel lost or you're just not sure about something, that's what the message boards are there for. So hopefully, Scott and everybody else who's listening to this episode, I hope I hope this kind of gives you some ideas of what to expect. Again, this is a starting point. There's a lot more that you should know about cruising. But I wanted to give you some basics, some basic cruise tips for first-time cruisers so you understand what to expect and what to be doing, where to get you started. If you follow these tips, I feel like you've you've bypassed some of the major, major problems and you're on your way now to really, you're in a good jog. You're not the full sprint, but you're jogging now and you're you're on your way to having a great cruise vacation. How about we answer some Royal Caribbean cruise questions? Well, you got no choice. I'm going to answer them anyway. <laughs> but if you want to send me your email, you can always do so by emailing it to matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com, matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Also, special shout out to all the spouses that are sitting in their car listening to this episode because their other spouse put this on and they're being forced to listen. I often hear from people I meet on a cruise ship like, oh, I listen to you all the time. And my you know, wife or husband, you know, they listen to because I got it on as well. So special shout out to those people. I know secretly deep down inside you really enjoy this, Hillary. So anyway, here we go. Let's start off with uh, number one. Our first email today is from Kirk from Hamilton, New Jersey. Uh, my wife and I have a five-night sailing Bermuda on Adventure of the Seas, leaving September 10th, 2022, and we're looking to go to Grotto Bay Resort and Spa. What's the best, quickest, cheapest way to get there from the Naval Dockyard? I'm sure it's a combination of ferry and taxi, but we've never ventured to this port of the island on our own, and hope to give us some insight there. Love the podcast. Thanks for uh, keeping us up to date with everything Royal Caribbean. Kirk, thanks for the email. So I've never been to this particular place, but the cheapest place, was it, you said best, quickest, and cheapest. They're not all the same. The cheapest way to get around Bermuda is bus. You know, it's very strange. Usually in the Caribbean, like every other port in the Caribbean, it's all about taxis, right? Cozumel, Costa Maya, Nassau, it doesn't matter. It's, it's always taxi. Take a taxi, go there, right? But in Bermuda, taxis are like incredibly expensive. I'm like stupid expensive. So what you actually want to do, the cheapest way is actually to take a bus. There's public bus system that runs all around the island. You can just Google Bermuda buses. You'll get the schedule of them. They run all the time. They're very inexpensive. That is probably almost certainly the cheapest way. I'm not sure exactly where this Grotto Bay Resort is. If it were in like Hamilton or near St. George, there's also a ferry. It's a it's a high-speed catamaran that can get you over there. That's about, it's also reasonably priced. Uh, but then once you're in these places, again, I don't know how far it is from there. I think the bus is going to be your best option. But it, it is strange because... You're on a public bus and there's a bunch of tourists and a bunch of locals, but it's very common and very safe. And I've done it a couple of times and have no issues with it. So uh, definitely the bus is the way to go. Next email is from Liz, a.k.a. Baked Alaska. Hi, Matt. First question with cruise ships being decommissioned, ultimately sent to scrapyards. What happens to the coin laid during the keel laying ceremony? Does it go back to the original cruise line or the last owner of record or forever to the scrapyard? 
I have no idea. I, you know, I, I would defer to one of my good friends, Commander Don Goldstein. My guess, and emphasis on guess, is that it's just, it's a package deal. It's just, it's gone. When it goes there, it goes there. I, I don't know, because in, in a lot of cases, I could be wrong on this. I think the coin is, like, fused to the hull. I mean, they put it on there, and then they, like, lay down more metal on top of it. You know, it's not like something you can just, like, ooh, let me take this back now. Just kidding. Uh, I, I don't know that for a fact, but... That would be my guess on that. Our next question is from Alan from West Virginia. Matt, longtime listener, never been on a cruise before, but would love to go on one in the upcoming future. My wife's and I, 10th wedding anniversary will happen in the fall of 2024, and both of us have been wanting to go to Alaska. I did mention to her before that I heard the best way to see Alaska is via the cruise. I mentioned to her that while on an Alaska cruise, you could do an excursion where you can visit sled dogs, and she loves the Iditarod. She's also of an elementary school teacher, and when the race is going on, she usually teaches about the race. My question is, does Rogerman still offer the excursion to go and visit the sled dogs? And if they do, does it vary on time of year or in certain ships itinerary? Alan, thanks for the email. They still offer it. Absolutely. It's like a core Alaska excursion. I remember when we went to Alaska for the first time, Alan, we did that with our kids. So it's offered throughout the year. I, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking uh, glistening snow, a team of race dogs ready to go, and you Right on that, on that sled, right? And eh, not quite. I mean, you can do that if you go on a glacier. But when cruise ships are there in the summertime, yeah, not much snow around. So what it really is, is you're going to be visiting the training ground. Uh, you know, because the dogs need to train throughout the year, they can't just take off the summer. The uh, They have training facilities. And basically what these tours do is they bring you to the facilities. And it is a, they basically it's in these woods and the the dog sled team pulls a cart that has wheels on it instead of sled, uh, you know, skis, and it basically is the same idea. And you get to visit the dogs, you get to pet the dogs, see them in action. You're actually on one of the sleds as they're pulling it. It's really interesting, and it was a really fun thing. I definitely think it's worth doing at least once. Um, I was my my kids love it. They just love dogs anyway. But it was a really fun activity, and you got to pet the the puppies, which were so cute. But you know, it's it's. But as somebody who uh, appreciates the Iditarod, there was a component to our um, our particular trip when we were there, where they talked specifically about the Iditarod and the history of it. So there is that historical and and contemporary uh, component to it as well. So Alan, hopefully that answers your question. But I would not be worried too much about that. If you actually want to go on a sled ride, like you want them to pull you on snow, you got to take probably a helicopter ride or something up to a glacier, and then you can do that. That is an option also offered. Next up, we have an email from Rose and Steve, one of my very good friends. Want to tell you how much we enjoyed your video on Wonder of This Is. I don't think there's a thing you missed showing us. Can't wait to go on it. We're already booked uh, for full for 2022 in the first part of 2023, but I'm sure we'll get on her later in 2023. Um, and Steve wanted me to ask you what you consider to be a short notice for a cruise. Travel agents to three weeks. What do you say? Rose, I met Rose and Steve uh, at the hibachi table on a cruise, and they were they're, they're wonderful people very very nice uh, I, when i grow up i want to be like rose and steve um so what would be short notice that's a great question i think anything within anything after final payment date is technically short notice right now that's we're talking about 90 days three months right for most people that is short notice i i, I feel like like that last minute three weeks is last minute short notice i think is more like you know anything within final payment date is what i would consider to be you know Short notice, I guess what I would say. Within three weeks, that's just last minute. That's like when you get about a month before your cruise, you know, basically everybody that's going on the cruise is probably booked on them, right? You Last minute cancellations are unlikely other than, of course, you know, somebody getting sick at the last minute. But 
basically, you know, the, 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 the most desirable rooms are probably booked up. Like, you've, you've got rooms available, but the people that wanted to go on the cruise booked it a while ago, and they they made final payment, and they're good to go there. So somewhere between 90 to 30 days ahead of time is what I would consider to be, you know, last minute or short notice, and then last minute is really that. With three weeks, I'd probably agree with that short notice. It depends what... This is really more of a question of semantics than anything else, but... Um, yeah, it's, it's an excellent question and good to hear from both of you. Our next question is from Zach. Hi, Matt. Love the blog and podcast. We haven't cruised for a few years. The info you and the team provides is pure gold. We're on Symphony of the Seas out of Port Miami in June. Right now, our best flight options are at Fort Lauderdale. If we self-assist disembark, would you be comfortable with a 10-15 a.m. flight back home? If you say pre-check, it'll be taking an Uber or cab. Thanks for the email. I would not. I think that's you're playing with fire there. I mean, could you theoretically make it? Yeah, if you walk off the ship at 7.30 to 8 a.m., you got your you go right to the taxi you're there's no traffic you get to fort lauderdale airport it's about a 30 minute drive let's call it let's it might be a little less than that but let's call it 30 minutes so you're talking about 8 30 now maybe closer to nine somewhere between 8 30 9 o'clock 10 15 flight you gotta get through security i mean is it in the realms of possibilities yeah to me it's just man i mean that, that's rough, you know? I mean, if it was 11.15, I, I would think you'd be fine with that. Could you do it? Is it like, is it physically possible, especially if you have all your stuff, you don't have kids, you're not the type, like you don't go to the bathroom, you don't have to eat, you're just all business, I, I guess. I wouldn't personally do it. I think it's just too close to it. If there's any delay, you know, if if uh, the border patrol decides, you know what, Coast Guard rather, it needs to you know do an inspection, if there's traffic, you know, you, you just don't know what you don't know. And it seems like you're playing a little too close to fire. Now, I understand sometimes people have like, well, it's either 10, 15 mat or I got to wait till like four o'clock for a flight home. I know that stinks. In that situation, I'd stay a day in Miami and then fly out the next morning. But uh, you're asking my opinion. I say 10, 15 a.m. is not, I'm not, you said, would I be comfortable? I would not be. I'd wait till at least 11-ish. Noon is always the safe, safe time. That's good for all families. I think 11 is certainly fine. And, and I would say that, but 10, 15 just gives me, I, I get heart pains just thinking about it. So I, I say no. Hopefully that doesn't ruin your plans or make you feel too bad about it. Uh, next email we have is from John in Texas. Hi, Matt. Selling on Harmony in June. Can't wait. My first time on an Oasis last ship. First time at Coco Key. Two questions. I got a three-night dining package plan. I heard you say we need to make reservations on the first day of the cruise. Where would you go for this? Do I have to talk to each restaurant or can I make reservations to, for all three restaurants at the first one I eat at? Good question, John. Yeah, you can actually go to any restaurant can book any other restaurant. So get on board Harmony of the Seas and, you know, you go to uh, you go to the boardwalk because it's on deck six. You're going to get on the ship at deck five. You go right to Sabor. Sabor can book you for all the other restaurants. There is usually, like, keep an eye open when you walk on board, usually on the promenade, there is a desk or a kiosk uh, for dining reservations and they can also do that for you. So whichever one you see first is fine. But yeah, you need to uh, go to a especially restaurant or a kiosk that's specially set up on embarkation day for this to make reservations. Uh -huh. Number two question from John. I have a water park pass for Coco Key. I know they ask when boarding if you're under 300 pounds. I'm feverishly working to lose weight to get under 300 pounds. I have about 10 or so to go. So how close to 300 do I need to go? Our stop at Coco Key is the last stop of our cruise. Even if I start at the 295, it'd be hard to maintain for the five days of the cruise. Do you know how strict this is? It's a good question, John. You know, for certain slides like the... Um, the 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 raft slide they actually do weigh you everybody gets on a scale together and they weigh you 
for the other slides, I've never been weighed on like the other slides there. I, I can't tell you from experience what you should or should not expect from that, you know, but if the rule is 300 pounds, I mean, I would definitely, if you're at two, if I'll use your scenario, if you're at 295 walking on board the ship, I think you're probably fine, right? Could they ask you for it? They might. I, I can't promise you that they won't. And, you know, that's kind of a, but I can tell you that I've only ever seen a scale at the slide, the family tower slide for the raft slide. I don't believe I've seen one for anywhere else. So, you know, it's obviously there for your, for your safety, but, um, you know, you'll know if you're, at, if you fall and, and kudos to you for, for, for dropping weight, that's fantastic. Not an easy thing to do. Losing weight is uh, something everybody struggles with. Right. And for some people, it's a really, really arduous struggle. So I, I, I applaud you for, for trying your best here. But if you get to 295, like you said, I think you'll probably be okay on that one. But again, I'm not a lifeguard, so I can't answer that for you. But my, my sense of it is I think you'll be okay. And our last question today coming to us from uh, Paula. Hi, Matt. I've asked for a quote from MEI Travel for Oasis of the Seas for January 15th, 2023. But I've seen posts from people concerned about this booking, this sailing, because it may have a high chance of being chartered. I'll be flying from South Africa, and I won't be able to rebook another in time. If this happens, how concerned should I be? It's a great question, Paula. And number one, no one really knows. I mean, it's interesting you say that there are, I've seen posts from people concerned about the sailing. Like, <clears throat> I love Facebook. I, I, it is a wealth of information and entertainment, but it's also a wealth of interesting opinions on things. So here's what I would do. Number one, there's no definitive way to answer your question. There's no way I can, or anybody can tell you, Paula, yes, this particular sailing on Oasis of the Seas is going to be chartered or no, it will not be. What I do is I go to Google and I type in the name of your ship and then I type in the dates. I'll put January 15, 2023 and the word group. And what you're looking for is some sort of a group like, hey, we've got, you know, this is the Matt Hotchberg charter cruise and we're going to have nothing but tambourine playing and, and, cowbells and join 3,000 other people that love tambourines and cowbells along with Matt. Like, you know, that's what you're looking for. And in Googling it off the top of my head, I'm, I'm literally looking at it right now. I don't see anything. Uh, I don't see like anything coming up, which either means one of two things. There's not a group, not, not a major group on board. It's, you're safe from the tambourines or the group is really bad at advertising their, their, their group on the internet. I, I feel like the it's less the, the the latter and more the former, but you know, keep an eye on that. But there is no definitive way to know about it. You know, I've done this in the past, and I remember there was we were going on Navigator of the Seas back when it was in Galveston, and I remember Googling it, and then there was a large country music band. It wasn't a full charter; it was only a partial charter, and I was a little worried, but they ended up being fine about it. I mean, look, I understand where you're coming from here, Paula. I, I guess my only advice is to keep an eye on it. You, know, you have until 2023. So you've got, I would say, you know, it's unlikely they're going to charter it like beyond final payment date, right? That would really be, I, I don't know that I've ever heard of that happening. I'm not saying it hasn't. But usually when charters occur, it happens much further out. Like, and what we're talking about really, and if you're not clear, I should have said this earlier, what Paula's worried about is she's booked this cruise. And then some other group is going to come around and be like, you know what, Royal Caribbean? We've got this group. We want to actually book. Like, we want to uh, reserve the ship just for us. We're, and what ends up happening is they kick everybody off the reservation already had it booked. It doesn't happen very often. In fact, it's pretty rare for it to happen, but it has been known to occur. 
Uh, usually what the most common scenario is said group does a partial charter in which they book a part of the ship, but other people can book it as well. And then demand is so high or for whatever reason, they say, we're going to book up the rest of the charter. We're going to book up the entire ship so no one else can book it. And then you run into a problem there. Again, there's no definitive way to do it other than just simply Googling around and seeing if there is. If there was a large, if you found a large group, if they said, you know, come join, you know, 2000 raving tambourine fans on board their Jan January 15th, 2023 Oasis of the Seas cruise, you might say, well, that could be a possibility, right? Because they have that. I, I, would, I mean, you're, you're less than a year away now. So you're, you're starting to get into that, like, what I, I think is a safe time. So I if I were looking at it, let me put it this way. I'm going to end it with this. Me looking at it by simply Googling it, I don't see a group on there unless you're, you're aware of a group that's on there, but I don't see one, I wouldn't worry about it. But could it happen? Sure. I, I mean, anything's possible. I'm not going to sit here and tell you you have a no chance of it occurring, but I don't see any, as of right now, any indication to be worried about it. So, Paul, thanks for the email. Thank you to everybody for checking out this episode of the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast. You can always email me your questions by emailing them to matt, M-A-T-T, -T, at royalcaribbeanblog.com. So until next time, I'm Matt, and we'll talk again real soon.